just wanted to say that also in, um, in a bow where I'm being used now, that the Lord is right in the up. And um, several miracles have happened when I've been praying for people. Praise it's God. been absolutely, I mean, I'm just God's connected to be perfectly honest, but, you know, as I said, the Lord uses the wrong people to use me. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Praise God. It's good to see Stephen Lorna again and uh, uh, just to see each and every one of you. It's good to have Christine and Shane and uh, back from the batch. The batch, yeah. Uh, uh, and of course, Grant and Sarah. Uh, and I could go around and name every single one of you, but I resist the, the temptation. Thank you for being here. I really pray that God would speak to you this morning as we look at the scriptures. I must admit, we're trying to get through like a, a, a chapter a, a week through the book of Revelation. Uh, but uh, this week I kind of got bogged down. We're only, only going to get two verses in. But I think what, what, you will, what we'll get out of those two verses is incredibly interesting. And I found, um, I found myself really excited about this message. And I hope you will be too. Uh, so let, let us ask God to, to speak to our hearts and to uh, really minister to us. Are you ready to receive from the Lord? Thank God. Amen. Father, as we come before your precious and holy word, there is no other word that compares. Lord, the scriptures are our lifeline. The scriptures are our hope. Lord, we want to abide by the truth in your word. And so, Father, help us. Uh, give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation to see the things that you want to see. Lord, lay aside man's agenda, man's theology, and anything of the flesh. Father, we want Jesus Christ to be exalted. We want him to be blessed and uh, worshipped and, uh, and honored. And so, as we would come to the word of God this morning, I pray that you would speak to us in a wonderful way and cause us to have hope. In Jesus' name. Everyone say Amen. Amen. Now, unfortunately, it's a, it's a longish message because, and I promise next week will be shorter, um, but, but to get everything in that's so exciting that it's, it's by necessity going to be a little bit longer. So if you could hold your questions to the end, I'm happy to take them at the end, um, but if you could do that at the end, I'd appreciate it. I, I just want to say with you, just about everything I share this morning is contentious. Somebody is going to uh, contest it, you know, it's, it's a case of uh, claim and counterclaim. And so what we have to do is examine the scriptures and uh, come join us now. Praise God, you're more than welcome. What's your, pastor, what's your message called, Papa? Uh, the temple. So we're dealing with the temple this morning. And uh, uh, would somebody like to help that? Uh, Guy, could you help that lady get in the chair at this time? Praise God. Praise God. So we're looking at the temple of God this morning, and um, like everything in the book of Revelation, it's, it's kind of uh, everybody has a, a, an opinion. So, but anyway, we're going we're to look at that. Everything I, I share with you, I, I endeavor to share uh, either from a biblical, historic, or a physical evidence perspective. I want to encourage you to be like the Bereans. Go and check this out for yourself, okay? Don't just take my word for it. Hopefully I can give you a couple of pointers that you're going to say, wow, that's worth considering. Let's look at it. And that would be my goal and my endeavor this morning. So if you've got your Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 11. You're making progress. You've got halfway through the book. 
Yeah. We'll start and who knows when. <laughs> but we've been having fun, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. John was told, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshippers there. But exclude the outer court, do not measure it, because it has been given to the Gentiles and they will trample down the holy city for 42 months. Now that 42 months is just another way of saying three and a half years. It's also mentioned in the scriptures 1,260 days. It's also called times, times, and, and, and half a time. It, it's that period of uh, scripture. Uh, so we'll, we'll just bear that in mind. Okay. As I read those first two verses, something very obvious jumps out to me. And the first thing is that if, we, if they're measuring the temple, the temple must be built. So we're looking at the, the, the building of the third temple uh, here in Jerusalem. And I, I want to give you just a very brief history of, of the temple. Remember the first temple was built by Solomon. It was the most magnificent uh, affair. And it was destroyed by the Babylonians uh, when they took the Jewish nation into captivity for 70 years. Uh, after that, uh, uh, the, the, the second temple was built. Uh, by Zerubbabel he, as he returned from the Babylonian captivity he, and he built a second temple, a rather modest affair uh, that when, when the, the people who were, were children saw the, the, the previous temple that Solomon built and then looked at this modest second temple they wept um, because they, they, it just wasn't anything by comparison. Later on Herod came along with the passage of time and he refurbishes the, the, the temple and makes it much more grandiose, much more uh, 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 you know, splendid. And, and so that, that was the refurbishment under, under Herod's temple. It's really just the second temple because it's a refurbishment. And that temple was destroyed by Titus, the Romans, absolutely. <laughs> Titus in AD 70 came and he destroyed that temple. So that, that's kind of a, 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 a little bit of a brief history. Something I, I found of interest that I, I'll share with you. Uh, one of the things that um, actually has sought to have transpired at the destruction of the temple by the Romans in AD 70 was the shout, hip hip hooray. And uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting because as you look at it, uh, it comes from the time when, when uh, and, and as I say, everybody's got an explanation. Every man and his dog has an explanation for it. And you don't have to accept this. And this I just found this interesting. So if, if, you, if, if you look at it and you say it's got some merit, you can accept it. But when the uh, Romans conquered Jerusalem, their battle cry was Hiroshima uh, est perdita. Uh, and so it, which really means. Jerusalem is lost, or Jerusalem is fallen. And, uh, you know, it, it, if you look up on the internet, there, there are a million different explanations. So I'm not citing this as a case of, of historical fact, but just something that <coughs> you may find interesting. Some say that, that, that this, um, this developed into a toast. You know, the Romans began to celebrate the destruction of uh, Jerusalem, and they would keep on saying, uh, at the toast, somebody would propose it and say, Jerusalem is Padita, Jerusalem is lost, uh, or uh, Jerusalem is gone, and the, the crowd would shout hurrah. But that was quite a mouthful, and so you actually it was shortened over the passage of time, and so it became hip hip hurrah. 
Uh, and so it, that was really the, the, tr the cry that went out for the destruction. That's why we can't say people's birthdays. I heard you say that. I didn't understand that. <laughs> That's the reason behind it. Now, ah. look, I want to say to you that there are a million other explanations. I'm exciting that it's fact, but I, I heard somebody preach that many, many years ago, and I was never comfortable saying it after that, so I hope I haven't spoiled it for you. But, but all these things come from the Bible, eh? Long yeah. stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, I, I just throw that out just as a way of interest. So, during the first part of the tribulation period, we're going to have the rebuilding of the temple. Remember, uh, the Antichrist comes in, and one of the first things he does is sets up the treaty with Israel. And that treaty allows them to build the third temple. If you've studied this at all, you'll know that the Jews have, have cut the, 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 the stones, they've, they've got the cornerstones already cut, they've got the implements uh, that are going to be used in the, in the altar and in, in, in the inner sanctuary, in the Holy of Holies. They've got them all ready to go. And when, when the Antichrist comes along and says, hey, it's time you can build the temple, it's going to go up like a Makana set. And two shakes of a duck's tail, you're going to have the third temple there in Jerusalem. And they are going to be um, actually uh, worshipping there. So, just to show you how close uh, we're, we're living, how, how important, how, you know, we're living in really important times. Can you say that? We are living in incredibly important times. And I believe God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this, because we have to tell people about what is coming. And, and so, just to show you how current this is, Nine months ago, there was a, 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 an election in, in Jerusalem for their mayors. And the, the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish ruling council, uh, came and said to each candidate, we want you to discuss how you are going to build the third temple. Wow. So they are, they are discussing it now, and they really want to build it. They've got all the plans. They've got everything they are. They're just wanting the permission. In fact, iNews24 is actually reporting that there are Jews that have young men that have been selected to carry out animal <coughs> sacrifices. Now, today, they've restored them. Uh, they are practicing at the moment, and they, they're dressed in full biblical garb. They are, are blowing the shofars, and they're lighting the menorah, and they're carrying out animal sacrifice. And it's just a short step from building the temple to being a fully working priesthood. And so we are living in pivotal times. Absolutely. We're living in exciting times when the Lord is coming back ever so soon. Now if you speak to the Orthodox Jews, those guys uh, that, are, that are extremely um, religious and because uh, you get secular Jews, but the Orthodox Jews actually believe that the Messiah is going to build the third temple. Very interesting. What, uh, and, and I think that what happens is the Antichrist comes along, he brings peace, especially to Israel, he allows them to build the temple, and they think, oh, this must be the Messiah. In actual fact, the, pe the, the person they worship could very well be the Antichrist. And Jesus made an obscure reference to this, and we read it in John chapter 5, and verse 43. And I'm reading it from the Amplified Bible. Says, Jesus is speaking. He says, I come in my Father's name and with his power, and you do not receive me. Your hearts are not open to me. You gave me no welcome. But if another comes in his own name and his own power and with no authority but himself, you will receive him and give him your approval. 
This could be the Orthodox Jews giving the approval to the Antichrist who's given them peace and allowed them to build the temple. Um, time will tell, I guess, um, but it, it, it's certainly a very interesting uh, thought of Jesus. So, whenever you're talking about the building of the temple, it is an explosive uh, subject. So, please hold your tomatoes and your stuff and don't start <laughs> me just yet. I've got some things to say. It is explosive. And uh, it's uh, an especially uh, volatile subject between Jews and Muslims. I bet you didn't know this. Recent studies show that there are two possible locations for the proposed temple. One on the Temple Mount alongside the Dome of the Rock, the traditional, uh, the traditional site. That's what we'll call that one. And we'll deal with that one first. But let's get back to our text, Revelation uh, 11.2. It says this, But exclude the outer court and do not measure it, because it has been given to the Gentiles that they will trample on the holy city for 42 months. The outer court need not be measured. That's kind of what, what that verse is saying, because it's given to uh, the Gentiles. And that's perhaps because the proposed site on the Temple Mount, the outer courts would take in the Islamic Dome of the Rock. Uh, that, that building there uh, is, is a, a Muslim uh, mosque. It's not technically a mosque. I won't go into why, but, but it's accepted as a mosque, but it's not technically a mosque. But in any proposed temple rebuilding, that, that building is going to be a bit of a problem. Um, but, that, but they're saying that they can get it in, and, but the outer courts would be include the, the Dome of the Rocks. Uh, so this is highly contentious, as, as I'm sure that you'll be aware. And it says that the Gentiles will trample down the, the holy city for 42 months. I think what happens is that the Antichrist comes to power, he lets the build, Jews build the temple, and remember what, it's a seven-year treaty that he signs with, with the nation of Israel. But in the, in the middle of it, in the three and a half years, he breaks the treaty, he breaks the covenant. And I think it's at this point that, uh, that the Antichrist begins to persecute the Jews and the Gentiles rise up in the city and begin the great persecution that we will see uh, is going to unfold as we go further down in, in the book of Re Revelation. So, okay. Let me give you some history of the Temple Mount because it's kind of relevant as we, we look at the whole thing. Are you with me so far? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Okay, the history of the Temple Mount. Uh, this building, uh, the, the Temple of Omar, was built in the 600s. So 600 years after Jesus walked on the earth. And it was built by a man by the name of Omar. And he believed that this was the site where uh, the, 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 the Holy of Holies was. And uh, that Muhammad uh, presumably ascended to heaven. That's his contention. Nobody knows why or where. Uh, what he based his assumptions on, but uh, that became the building. And uh, that is actually a mosque covered in gold. Uh, and he built it over a rock um, that he thought was the place where the Holy of Holies was. Okay. So, rebuilding of the third temple. Um, <laughs> that's going to be very contentious because you've got not only this building that is the, the mosque of Omar, technically not a mosque, but it is a mosque, but right next to it you have the al Aska Mosque, which is the third holiest site in, in, in all of Islam. And so building a temple here is going to be next to impossible. 
because if anything happens to either the, 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 the Alaska Mosque or the Mosque of Omar, you know that the, the, the Arab world is going to rise up in absolute rebellion. They're going to storm in, and you've got World War Three on your hands. Amen? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very difficult uh, to... to this happens to be some of the most fought over history in all the world. It goes back to the time of the Crusaders. Man, there'd be more blood shed, shed here than, than anywhere else. But you know, there's a man by the name of Dr. Kaufman, who's an archaeologist and a physicist. And uh, he's been studying the temple now for, for about 20 years now. And uh, he is actually at the Hebrew University. He studies physics and archaeology. And uh, he's been studying the holy sites. He made a claim that um, that the holy of holies is not actually there under the dome of the rock. He's saying it's actually 100 meters north of this particular uh, boundary. And so uh, we we want to find out what is actually 100 meters north. And we are not working. There, there we go. That's what's 100 meters north. This is all. Gazebo-like structure, and uh, this gazebo-like structure was built in AD six. So pretty soon, um, uh, uh, you know, going back two thousand years, and when they built the structure, uh, it's upon the only other piece of exposed rock. There's very little soil there. You can see the difference between the exposed rock and and, and the paving stone. It's probably virtually the same, but it was built in AD six. And uh, uh, when the Muslims built it, they gave it two names. They called it the, the Dome of the Tablet and the Dome of the Spirit. And so even Islam recognizes that this is the place where the Holy of Holies was. Because the Dome of the Tablet, well, where, where, were, the, where were the tablets? What tablets are we talking about? The Ten Commandments. Where were the Ten Commandments? They were in the Ark of the Covenant. Where was the Ark of the Covenant? In the temple. Okay, so we've got a chronology, a timeline. And so right here, even Islam says, this is where the tablets actually stood on, on the temple mount. Very interesting. What about its other name? Dome of the Spirit. What's that signify? Well, remember, this is where the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was. And above the Ark of the Covenant was the cherubims and the mercy seat of God, where the Shekinah of glory of God rested. The kabod, the weighty presence of God. And so, both names, the, 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 dome of the, the tablets and the dome of the spirit, indicate that this is possibly the exact site uh, where the covenant, uh, the ark of the covenant rested. It's actually on a really flat piece of, uh, of bedrock where the, the, the rock that's under the, uh, in the Moscow Omar is not an ideal place to situate the, the ark of the covenant. So even Islam says 100 meters north is possibly the holy holies. Now, in addition to this, okay, Dr. Coffin says that, you know, it, it's the place that marks the, um, the, the, the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. So, what does this mean? According to Dr. Coffin and many other scholars, they're saying the third temple should be rebuilt on the spot and could uh, remain standing without damaging the, the, the Moscow Omar or the Alaska Mosque. So they're saying we could actually build the, the, the third temple uh, if it was to, uh, to be there. Let's just go back to our text, Revelation uh, and verse 2. The scriptures say, 
but exclude the outer court, do not measure it because it's been given to the Gentiles and they will trample down the city for 42 months. An interesting fact of history, in 1967, uh, in the Arab-Israeli war, uh, do you remember General Mushi Dayan, the guy with a, with a Venetian blind on his eye? Um, <laughs> But he was the general that actually led the, led the campaign that uh, retook uh, Jerusalem. And he had, at that particular time, the Arabs on the run. He could have quite easily driven the, 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 the Arabs and, uh, off the, the Temple Mount and, and conquered it. And yet, to, uh, uh, he never really did that. And he never really explained why. So even though uh, the, the Jews retook Jerusalem, the outer court was, in effect, given to the Gentiles. And he can't explain why he didn't do that. Or at least, uh, he can't do it now because he's dead, but uh, he, he didn't do that before either. So. Okay. so, that would be the, the first proposed site. There are a couple of problems uh, with, with this site. And... Um, uh, I, I, I'm going to tell you now, I don't happen to believe that this is where the temple site says, is. So, uh, you can stand me now if you like, but, but at least listen to my reasoning. I've got some, I, I think some very good uh, arguments to, to, uh, as we examine the, the, this site and the possible shortcomings for it. We need to be very sensitive. This is a, a very volatile subject and uh, you know, for, for the Jews, this is the most holy place on earth. And so we need to approach this with a little bit of decorum, with a lot of respect and understanding, and not be dogmatic and, and you know, uh, beat people over the head and fall out with them if you don't happen to believe that this is the truth. But uh, it, it, I want to raise a question. Is it possible? Think about it. Is it possible? That the temple is somewhere else. Most people just say flat out, no, absolutely not. Absolutely no, no way. But do we find anywhere in the Bible, the ancient historical records, or any physical evidence that places the temple somewhere else? We need to look at that if we want to know where the temple actually is. Can you say amen? We need to examine history. We need to examine the scriptures. We need to examine uh, physical evidence and see what we can come up with. Although most people are convinced that the Temple Mount was located on, uh, sorry, that the Temple was located on the Temple Mount, that wasn't so 1,600 years ago. In fact, many rabbis were proposing that they were forced. Remember that they they're just beginning to drift back ever so slightly from the dispersion of the Romans. So they're coming back and they they, um, they they said, well, there could be four possible sites for the Temple. So let me again ask you, if you're a fair-minded person. Is it at all possible that the greatest archaeological mistake in history has been made in locating the temple of Solomon and Herod on the temple mount? It's a big call, uh, and I, I freely admit that. So, if that is the case, where would the temple be? And we're going to look at some of the, the implications of the prophetic implications of this would be absolutely stupendous. Uh, the political repercussions would change the entire complexion of the Middle East. So I, I realize that what I'm saying to you is, is a huge thing, but I, I, I think there's some very good 
He says, quote, Josephus explained the reason why every stone was overturned in the city, excluding, sorry, including those that made up the very foundations. The Jews were accustomed to hiding their gold and their other valuables in the walls of their home. The temple itself was also the treasury of the Jewish nation, and he references the, the wars of the Jews and gives a reference. When the fires were consumed, the whole uh, of the temple and the city, the gold melted and descended into the cracks and the crevices of the stone foundations. He goes on. In order to recover this melted gold, the 10th legion had the Jewish captives uproot every stone of the temple and of the whole city. So much gold was discovered in this fashion that the price of the metal, the gold, in the Roman Empire went down by half its pre-war value. He goes on. The actions uh, of looking for gold by overturning the stones, including all the foundations, uh, left Jerusalem a vast quarry of dislodged and uprooted stones in a state of unrecognized shambles. End quote. Think about that. <coughs> okay, so... <coughs> Jerusalem and the temple, utterly ruined, nothing left. Josephus said, you can't even believe it was ever inhabited. History is telling us that, Je that Jerusalem is a devastated wasteland, that nothing was left. Just as Jesus said. You've got history and you've got Jesus and they are agreeing. Have you ever thought then, if the temple had been utterly ruined, down to its foundations, and not one stone left upon another, like Jesus said, how can the western wall of the temple exist today? Pastor, when did Dr. Martin say that? Can I just ask you that? Uh, I, I did, he didn't give a date, but it was in an article um, called New Evidence. New Evidence. And it's quite recent? Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. And so, um, I, I have no doubt, no idea of the actual date. But, but it's kind of interesting, isn't it? If, if, if all these historians are saying that, that Jerusalem was a wasteland, you can't believe it's inhabited, if it was ever inhabited, um, how can the, 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 the Wailing Wall be the, the western wall of the temple? Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. interesting. There's a lot more it's evidence. Sense, don't, don't, make any, don't make up your mind it's just yet. Yeah, uh, this this there, uh, sit and, and, and go through your mind. The conclusion is either Jesus and these historians were wrong, or perhaps the Western Wall was never part of the temple. Uh, wow, that's a huge call. So how did we get to, to the place that this was the temple site? I mentioned to you that, that there were four proposed temple sites. One important event led, that led to the, the, the temple site, being called the temple site, was the invasion of Jerusalem by these guys, the Crusaders. Okay? And that, that, that happened in 1099, and tens of thousands of Crusaders, and uh, uh, he looks a little bit like Hans, if you show him, he's a big guy, isn't he? So, um, 1099, uh, these Crusaders came down, not from Christchurch, He's not a Christ Church crusader. These crusaders came from uh, northern Europe. And they captured Jerusalem and they took it from back from Muslim control. One of the first things they did was to remove the crescent moon from the, the mosque of Omar. 
that golden thing. It wasn't covered with gold back then, but, but they removed the crescent moon and they put a cross on it. And uh, this happened in 1099. And so uh, they, they renamed the, the, the Mosque of Amar called the, the Temple Templum Gemini. Uh, in other words, the Temple of God. And they took the, the Alaska Mosque and they re renamed the Templum uh, Solomonis, obviously the Temple of Solomon. Bob Canute thinks that this started a tradition. Um, and it, it, it kind of, uh, that tradition was cemented 70 years later after the Crusaders conquered Jerusalem. Now just bear in mind, this is 1,100 years after Herod's temple had been destroyed by the Romans. So no, nobody really knows exactly where it is. But a Jewish man from Spain, a guy by the name of Benjamin Tudela, and uh, he, he came from Tudela in Spain, and he, he went to Jerusalem, and he wrote about his travels, and he was the one who wrote very eloquently and very powerfully, and said that, um, that, the, the that this was the Temple Mount. And from this point on, uh, for about a thousand years, this concept has been virtually unchallenged. But if history and the words of Christ say that this is not the Temple site, as some think, where was it? Okay. Let's, let's look as we're going to look at that as we go through. Dr. Martin Luke, and others think that the temple site is a few thousand uh, feet to the south in the city of David. A couple of questions that I want you to think about as we, as we discuss in the temple. We know that the, the Romans conquered Jerusalem in 1870. We know that they stayed there for some 300 years. And, uh, and the question is, where did they stay? Where was the intent? You know, not even a brick has been found from the Roman fortress that ever can be attributed to the Roman uh, fort. And Bob Canute believes that this is because it's on the Temple Mount, where the fort is. That's where what he says the temple is. He says the fort's there. Now let's look at this. Uh, he's not the only one. Dr. Dr. Ernest Martin, uh, in his controversial hypothesis, says that uh, Jerusalem temples were not on the temple platform, which he thought to be the Roman fortress. But the temple was located to the south. Could it be that the entire temple mount was the Roman fortress? Okay. Interestingly enough, when you take the measurements of the temple mount and overlay it with the, the measurements of the traditional Roman fort, it's identical. Very interesting. Uh, nothing conclusive in, in, in that, but just an, an, another nail to, for us to consider. You ask any soldier, and when I was doing uh, in the war, they always said to make sure you hold the high ground. Because I'm telling you, it's much harder to fight trying to run up than if you're standing on the, on the back and crossing the ground. So you've got to have the high ground. And that has been a principle of war going back to time immemorial. So you need to hold the higher ground. General Norman Anderson said if he'd been in charge of the Roman Legion, he would have occupied the Temple Mount. From a military perspective, the, 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 the place you want to be is on the high ground. Now let me ask you a question. The Romans were no military dummies, were they? They were not military morons. They knew about warfare. And so where would they have situated their fort? On top of the Temple Mount. The high ground would have been occupied. Why? Because this is their regional, uh, their regional area. They're not going to be happy with some uh, small place off to the side. <coughs> They're going to want the most defensible place 
uh, in all of Jerusalem. And that is the Temple Mount. And perhaps that's why the Temple doesn't exist, because it's become the, the, the court of the Romans. Okay. I have a little more digging, and, and you find history has some interesting things to say. Okay. A little known account by Josephus describes two covered bridges or colonnades, uh, covered passages, that's all that means, that span 600 feet between the Fort of Antonia on the north and Herod's Temple on the south. And so here, here you've got your, your covered colonnades, uh, and you, this is a, a model that they believe uh, that replicates the, the, uh, the city back in the time of the Romans. Josephus goes on to say, Okay. Now, as to the Tower of Atonia, it was situated on the corner of two cloisters of the temple, uh, of that of the west and of that of the north. Josephus then goes on to describe that the fort was not only to guard the temple, but their main, their main job was to guard the city and, and prevent insurrection and uprising. And so they wanted a militarily defendable place. The most logical place for it to be is up on the high ground. Okay. Josephus then goes on to describe that the fort uh, was to guard the city and the temple, and he mentions history, historian, he mentions that it is on higher ground. Okay? The description confirms that the fort was on higher ground of the temple. That's also borne out in the book of Acts. Do you know that? Do you remember that time when, when Paul returns to Jerusalem in Acts 21? They return to Jerusalem and he goes into the temple and the people there thought that he brought Jews into the temple and they wanted to tar and feather him. They wanted to kill him. And there was a, the, the city was in, uh, in turmoil and uproar and they beat him, uh, Paul uh, uh, to death. And, and you can read about it in the book of Acts. Now I want you to listen carefully and see if you can discern anything about where the Roman fort is. Acts 21, 31, and 32. While they were trying to kill him, that's Paul, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped meeting Paul. Is anybody getting any sort of inkling where, where the fort might be? Any? So, the Bible says they ran down to them, placing the fort literally on higher ground of the temple. Verse 40, Paul uh, stands and he speaks. Remember, he makes his appeal to the people and he says, yeah, I'm a Jew. And he makes his appeal and they all arise. He stands on the steps and, and tries to appease the crowd. These were the steps leading back to the fort of Antonia. Okay. Let's see if I can find them. That would be these steps here that lead back into the fort. Okay. Now, <coughs> if you accept that uh, the traditional model, which is that, this is the area, this little space here, is considered the fort of Antonia. Okay. Two problems with the, with the traditional uh, picture of the Fort of Antonia. First of all, history says that the, the two, colon the two colon colonnades that were 600 feet apart from the, from the fort and the temple. It would appear that there's something wrong with this model according to Josephus, who lived at the time. The second problem that we, we have is that there are no steps. 
the, the port is actually adjoined to the temple. I think there's a problem with the traditional concept of the fort. There are many more problems which I want you to consider. Um, that place of the fort, uh, that, that call that Roman fort, that little dinky thing, uh, called the Tower of Antonia. It's on the northwest corner of the temple, as you see there. But there are more problems with that than just that. This piece of ground, <coughs> excuse me, covers uh, an area of about three acres. Not very big at all. Um, and uh, according uh, to Josephus, again, according to history, the, the, uh, the tenth region uh, was uh, billeted there in, in the, the fort of Antonio. Um, now, you remember from history, a legion is approximately 6,000 men. And you can have as many as three to 4,000 support staff in addition to your 6,000 frontline soldiers. So that's approximately 10,000 men in this fort of Antonia, the traditional model. 10,000 men on a three-acre piece of ground. Man, they're sleeping on each other's shoulders. 10,000 men on three acres? I don't believe it. Gen General um, Anderson says, it's laughable, and I'm quoting it, it's laughable to think that the traditional tower of Antonia, that little three-acre building, could support 10,000 personnel, end quote. Again, Josephus, an eyewitness at the time, writes, history tells us, now as to the Tower of Antonia, it might seem to be composed of several cities. Do you see several cities in there? I don't see them. In other words, it's a big place. And he goes on to say that the Fort of Antonia may be comprised of several cities, big, for if we go up to the Tower of Antonia, we gain the city, since we shall be on top of of the hill, end quote. Oh dear, another historical reference placing the Roman fort on top of the Temple Mount. Don't see this is a big fort on top of the hill, and they agree with the Bible. Now, now we get to some funny games, okay? I want you to remember, Josephus, an eyewitness, he saw the, 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 the beautification of, of the temple under Herod, and he sees the destruction under Rome. He was the historian. He documents everything. So uh, Joseph was alive, and he was an eyewitness when the temple was standing and when it was destroyed. This happened in his lifetime. Now listen, this is, this is amusing. Uh, Josephus says that there was the, the 10th Roman legion was there in that fort. The scholars say, sorry scholars, Scholars say he must be wrong because this little fort cannot hold 10,000 men. Josephus must have meant cohort because a cohort would house 600 men. Perhaps you could get 600 men into there. So scholars accept that Josephus is right and reliable as a historian. And uh, he's a reliable witness. He gets everything right except for the temple and the location of the fort. So let me get this straight. Josephus, an eyewitness, living at the time of these events, uh, saw these things happen, got it wrong, but the scholars, nearly 2,000 years later, know better. I don't believe that for a minute. You know, if, if you didn't know the difference between a, a, a cohort and a legion, what kind of historian do you think you'd be? If he'd been so accurate, don't you think history would have disregarded Josephus as a historian if you can't tell the difference between 600 men and 10,000? 
I think your spirit's wrecked. This God doesn't know what he's talking about. But he's accepted and has gone down as one of the authorities uh, in, in, in history. Uh, so, let me say this. The only, the only notation that is on top of a hill that is large enough to support 10,000 personnel is the 36-acre The evidence is, is building to see that, that, that the, um, the fort was on top of the hill. But then you have additional historical evidence. You have the pilgrim of Bordeaux. Okay? So that's just another overview uh, of, of the city. And again, showing the fort of Antonia to, uh, to the temple. Um, but uh, in, in 333, this guy, um, the, the pilgrim of Bordeaux, he comes from, Spain, uh, from France, and he goes to Jerusalem, and he's very curious, and he documents what he sees. And uh, he goes and he climbs the step of a high tower next to the church of the Holy Sepulchre. And he records, again, yeah, history, he records, you look due east, and what he saw was the, the, the remains of the Roman fort. You know, you can climb that same stuff tower today, you can look due east, and all you see is the long wall of the Temple Mount. There it is. There's the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and there's the tower right next to it that the pilgrim references. And he says, you look due east, and there you have the long wall of what he says is the Roman fort. We've come to accept that this is a temple mount. So, it's, the evidence is beginning to, to know. Okay? This is pretty conclusive evidence. With, uh, 333 that Aiden, uh, we've got this man writing that this wall is the wall of uh, the Roman court. He does not say it is the wall uh, of the ruins of the, uh, of the temple. He says it, it's the Roman fort. So if the historical evidence places the Roman fort on the temple mount, why do the majority of people believe that this is where the temple is located? Good question. I'm glad you asked that. Okay? <laughs> I know you just hang on every word. But okay, let's look at that. Why did that actually happen? Well, remember what happened uh, in, in AD 17 when Titus came down. He was a brutal soldier. He came to destroy the rebellion of the Jews. And 1.1 million Jews were murdered in the destruction of Jerusalem at that time. The remaining people, what happened to them? They were banished and driven out of the land. And they only came back completely or properly in 1948 with the, with the Balfour Decree. So they've been out the, the, the ground essentially for 2,000 years. So the question we then have to ask ourselves, with the city leveled to the ground, the temple destroyed to the foundation, is it possible that with the passage of time, the chaos and confusion of war, that the original site could be lost? Is that possible? I believe so. Bob and others think that that's exactly what happened. And the tradition that started after the uh, Crusaders came, that was why we accept that temple. Okay, so if we ruin out the temple now, it's the place where the temple belongs, is there any other historical uh, uh, or physical evidence that would point to the, the, the temple being elsewhere? Yes, there is. Aren't you glad about that? <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. 
the, the city of David is where I believe the temple could be. The city of David is a 12-acre plot just south um, of, of the city wall. So that's east, that's west, that's more so just, just down there in uh, uh, the picture. Okay. Let's see if we can trace the building of the temple through the scriptures. How do you think that that might be a good idea? That if we followed God's leading, we might get somewhere. Okay? Yep. yep. When King David arrived in Jerusalem, remember he, he wasn't always there, he arrives in Jer Jerusalem, who does he find living there? The Jebusites. And do you remember they, they mocked David because they were in their, in their wonderful fortress and they, they said, ah, oh, even the blind and the lame could ward you off. You can't take this. And we say it's secure. We're going to read that in a second. But uh, it, it's very interesting that David conquers the fortress and he renames it what? The city of David. Okay. So David renames the Jebusite city after himself and calls it the city of David. Time goes by and uh, we see in 2 Samuel, in chapter 24 and verse 18, on that day, God, sorry, Gad, went to David and said to him, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. So David builds the altar of the Lord that was on the Jebusite land, which is now part of the city of David. Okay. David dies and Solomon succeeds him. And we have a reference as to where the temple is built. Tradition says they built the temple one on top of the other. Okay, So, does the Bible say where the temple was built? Yes, it does. 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord. Any questions so far? This is the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord appeared to his father David. That's pretty specific, but just so God put this in for, for guys like me who don't get it at first pass, he adds this. It was on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite, the place that David provided. The inescapable conclusion is that Solomon's temple was in the city of David. That's what the Bible says. Dr. Frank Turin says, and I, I quote him, Solomon's temple was in the city of David in the, 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 the Jebusite fortress. I can't see that if you are a Bible-believing Christian, how do you get away from that, that scripture? It is, it is abundantly plain that the, 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 the temple of Solomon was built in the city of David. Let me read that, that, that passage of scripture that I referenced a moment ago. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and 6. And verse, uh, sorry, 2 Samuel 5, uh, 6 and verse 7. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites of David, who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, You will not get in here, even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought, David cannot get in here. Verse 7. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, the city of David. There's one inescapable conclusion that we can draw from that with. But Zion and the city of David are one in the same place. Amen? We can see that. It becomes, it, it spells out so absolutely clearly. Zion and the city of David are the same place. Again, let's go back to historical records, historical foundation. Who said this? The third century historian confirms this. He says, the hill called Zion and Jerusalem, the building there, that is to say the temple has been utterly removed. Eusebius says that the temple is in Zion, the city of David. Mm. 
Not a clean command. But in Zion, the city of David. Man, this is where I, I get chills when I begin to see this. Now consider this, okay? There's some aerial photographs of Jerusalem going back to just before, just after the of Christ in the 1950s. And they're still using material aeroplanes. There is a picture uh, of uh, Jerusalem, okay? Here's the Temple Mount, as you can see, and down here to the south uh, is, is the city of, of David. And if you, if you look carefully, you can see uh, this is an agricultural piece of ground in the 1930s. Uh, you can see that it's terraced, or at least I hope. Can you see it from there? Maybe I'm standing You can see the terrace ground there. Uh, it's been plowed, and it's an agricultural uh, piece of land. That was in the 1930s. You know, the Bible is so amazing. <laughs> Micah prophesied this. Did you know that? Micah chapter 5, sorry, 3 and verse 12. Therefore, because of you, Zion, where Zion, the city of David, remember, one in the same place. Therefore, because of you, Zion, or the city of David, will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. And the temple hell, mount will be overgrown with thickets. Right before your very eyes. These walls have stood for nearly 2,000 years and have never been plowed. This is undisturbed ground. In fact, the, the soil is so thin here that uh, over here and over here, the bedrock is showing through. How are you going to plow anything and grow anything there? You're plowing on top of a hill. That's all the rock. It's all rock. But the prophecy says that where the, where the temple is, is going to be plowed like a field. And 1930, it was plowed in terrace. That's an amazing prophecy. Can you imagine he was actually prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem? That's amazing. You know, at the time, can you imagine making that prophecy? God comes to you and says, I want you to tell the people that, that, that their capital is going to be absolutely laid in rubble. Are you sure, God? What are we going to have? That's a huge prophecy to make. And yet he makes it. And it is so the, the Zion, the city of David, is where Solomon built the temple, will be a plowed field. Wow. There are no plowed fields on the temple now, because there's no bedrock there. Those walls have been up there for thousands of years, uh, and it's never been plowed. It's undisturbed uh, and been like that for a long time. There are people, that, and, and we're really coming to the end of this time, and I thank you for your, for your patience. But there are people that say that this, this is rubbish, that, that, that the temple was never uh, in, in the city of David. And they use as their proof text, uh, Kings, uh, 1 Kings 8, chapter 1. And they basically refer to the fact that the, the Ark of the Covenant is taken out uh, of the city of David. And um, so they say, well, here you go. The, the temple cannot be there. The ark was taken out of the city. But if you look at the history, historical setting, and you, how, how many that context is everything? You know, mm -hmm. if I said to you, go home now, you might just say, who the heck are you to tell me to do that? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay right here where I am because I'm just an honorary sort of person. I'm not going to do that. 
But if I give you a bit more context, and I say, go home now, your house is on fire. How many of you know you're really halfway out the door? <laughs> context is everything, amen? And so, as we look at this, this so-called proof text that the, 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 the ark was taken out of the city of David, then we'll see something. They, they assume that the ark was taken out of the city of David. Where did they assume it was taken to? They assume it was taken to the temple. Now, interesting, but the Bible doesn't say where it was taken. Now, let's put 1 Kings 8 into its historical setting, and let's look at the context of all that has been said. In actual fact, 1 uh, Kings 8, was, there was a national fair kind of thing going on there. There was a all the priests had fought. We can read it. First uh, Kings 8.1 Then Solomon assembled the, alpha, the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers and the children of Israel unto King Solomon in Jerusalem that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David. And you go on, you read, they were having up a, a state field. There was this, this tremendous uh, sacrifices that were taking place. In fact, in verse 5, uh, it says they made offerings too great to number. Very important. Remember, the, the city of David is only a 12-acre piece of ground. But they have called the, the priests from all over the nation, the heads of the tribe, they all gathered there. there. There's no way you're going to put those guys into city hall. You know? You're going to have to go out of that 12-acre confines and to hold. They said to offer sacrifices too great to number. You know, they numbered some of the, the, the sacrifices, and we're going to look at them just now. They, they, were, they were in the tens of thousands of sacrifices. Okay? And they're saying, hey, this, this occasion that, that we are making offerings that, that are so great that you couldn't even number. So this was a huge deal. So, the city was only 12 acres. It could be, could it not? And I'll ask you to think about this and weigh it that they, they have this national gathering, so they take out the, the ark of the Lord out of the confines of the city of David to somewhere in the country where they make these innumerable offerings unto the Lord. It, it, it is not said that they, they took the, the, the ark back to the temple mount. It's supposition. It is just as equally valid to assume that they took the ark back into the city of David. I hope you will agree on that point. We're closing in the final thing. You're saying, when is this guy ever going to end? I'm sorry, I'll put it cross. If you're looking for some problems, I'll give it to Another clue to the location uh, of the temple is the Gaiman Spring. Let me ask you theologians, what do you need for a temple? You need two fundamental ingredients. You need water for the priest to bathe in, and you need water to cleanse away the blood from the sacrifices. You also need oil to light the menorahs and to anoint the priest to go into, into, the, into the temple. Amen? Those are the two fundamental things that you need. Okay. So, I think the Gion Springs down in the city of David is an absolute ideal place for the, the temple. Now, somebody says, ah, oh, you, you could carry the water up to the temple mount. Okay, let me just read you some historical accounts from the scriptures. And I'm reading from 1 Kings 8, again, uh, 20, uh, 62 and verse 63. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. Now get this. Solomon offered sacrifices of worship offerings to the Lord. 22 
thousand cattle. Is that thinking? And if that wasn't enough, a hundred and twenty thousand sheep and goats. So the king and all the Israelites dedicated the temple. That is a phenomenal amount of blood. A phenomenal. You're not going to carry enough water to cleanse away the temple if you've got a, a, a hundreds of thousands of animals of been slaughtered. Cleaning up a sacrifice of that magnitude, that many animals, would require a huge amount of water. So the Gihon Springs would be an ideal place for the temple. Remember, there's no water on the temple mount. So any water you have and any sacrifices is going to be transported there. Huge understanding, very impractical. Okay, Tacticus. Remember Tacticus, he was a, a Roman historian. He gives us another clue to the temple. It's amazing. The Roman historian Tacticus tells us that the temple contained an inexhaustible spring. End quote. This further strengthens the argument that the temple is to the south in the city of David near the Gihon Springs, an inexhaustible spring. That's still operating to this day. There's still fresh water coming out of the Gihon Springs. It's making more and more sense to see that, that this is where the temple is. But so far we've considered the prophetic uh, voice. We've seen uh, the, the scriptural mandate. We've also uh, seen the historical record. But is there any archaeological data? Be interesting to know. Uh, you know, could this, 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 is there a temple anywhere near the city of Dan? And you know, recent excavations by Eli Shukaran, uh, who is the, the, the uh, head of the archaeological department for the city of David, has actually unearthed a temple right where the Bible says that Solomon built it in the city of David. Mm physical evidence. And amazingly, this is what, what they've revealed. Um, so, okay, I, I, I need to show you uh, tactics. Can you try to visit in the He was modeled after me, of course. He was the guy who said, there's an enemy. Moving on. This is what they've discovered inside the temple in the city of David. This, if you don't know, don't recognize it, is an olive press. Here's the post hole where the posters and the olives were put down there and, and, and the oil could be connected. In the temple, there is an olive press. What do you need olive for? For oil. To anoint the priest and light the menorah. And we have physical evidence in the temple in the city of David with an olive press. 30 feet away, you've got the Gihon Spring running with fresh water. Okay. Incredibly, they have just uncovered the altar in this temple. And this channel that has been cut into the rock is the blood channel from the altar that drains away the blood of the sacrifices. Incredible. They've also discovered holes in the rock. Unfortunately, that doesn't look too clear, but this is the rock place, and there's a hole, and it comes out over here. It was a place where you could tether the animals uh, in a holding pen uh, just before they were sacrificed. And so, uh, amazingly, uh, it would appear that they had found at least part 
Nobody wants you to say it's Solomon's temple because that's going to create such an uproar. But exactly where the Bible said that Solomon built the temple, you are seeing the remains of a temple, the blood channels, the oil presses, and the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the equipment that go along with the, the temple. Is this the, the temple site? I don't know. But a leading archaeologist in Jerusalem says this is a temple. And it's right in the place where Second Chronicles 3 1 says that Solomon built a temple. What do we have? Let's just close this off now. Historians attesting to the fact that Jerusalem was completely laid waste. Uh, the commander of Masada, oh, I didn't speak about him. He was a, a, another historical record uh, that said that, um, remember Masada was the, the last outpost of, of Roman resistance, or Jewish resistance to the Romans. And there were a thousand Jews that were at, actually massacred in Masada. The commander of Masada, uh, Benjamin uh, Ali uh, uh, Algier, said that Jerusalem is laid waste. There is nothing left. I'm going to paraphrase it. But he said that Jerusalem uh, no longer existed and only the remains of the Roman fort. That was the only thing visible on, on the site of Jerusalem. So over and over again, we've got history telling us Man, the, 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 the temple is not on the temple now. Um, so what else do we, we find? Micah's prophecy about the, the, the city of David is found like a field. We have Second Chronicles saying that's exactly where the temple is going to be built. Here's the physical evidence. Now for me, that's overwhelming evidence. When I put it all together, one thing by itself may not hold together, but when you put it collectively, it now so. And I am convinced that the temple is found in the city of David. And I close with these words from Dr. Rick Newton. He's the Dean of Biblical Studies at Colorado University. And he says, the fact that the scripture says that the temple is, is in the city of David and had to be near the Diamond Spring, the fact that there is no spring water in the temple now, means I have become a firm believer that the temple is not on the temple now. I'm convinced it's right here. In the city of David. You can imagine, if this is correct, there's going to be no problem for the Jews to build the temple with the Mosque I hope you enjoyed that as much as I, I enjoyed it. I'm sorry I went a bit long, but I, I probably thought next week it will be much shorter. And, uh, yeah, uh, you see questions at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Can you point on that last slide where I'm taking the Side, uh, the last one with the, uh, with, the, um, with the hillside with the terraces. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Can yeah. you point to where it was? Uh, so here's here the temple now. This is south, and you can see the terraces over here, like, like a combing, and this is all agricultural. Yeah, so, so where was the temple? Well, this is the contention. So the, the, here, down here, is, is uh, the Kidron Valley, and you have... Uh, Somewhere in here, the guy on the spring. So somewhere in this, uh, probably about 600 uh, uh, feet from uh, the, the traditional temple wall. So it could be somewhere in this area that the temple would be. There's a, there's a little raised bit in the middle here. It would have been on that, isn't it? Around here? Right in the middle. Oh, mm -hmm. To your right. To my right. Yeah. To your right. No, right. further right. Where it changes colour. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just up. Yeah, I... To, to be fair, I'm not exactly sure, uh, looking so closely at but it would be in this general facility 
Uh, if Andrew's genuinely reacts, I didn't spend the point on the net. I need to. I've got one more question. You had a big arrow pointing at the church with the Holy Sepulchre before. What, what was the significance of that? Okay. Please. Okay. Let's have a look at that. Okay. Technology. Oh, that was Kevin. No, no. The, the big red arrow. The big red arrow. No, not that one. No, Next. Um, this one. Yeah, that yeah. one. Oh, okay. This is when uh, the, the pilgrim uh, 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 of um, Dome came uh, to Jerusalem in 333 AD, and he goes to uh, the, uh, the high tower of the which is right next to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which he documents. And he says, while in the high tower, he looked due east, and what he saw was the, the long wall of the Roman fort. Oh, right, right. Okay. And so, you know, he identifies this area uh, not as the temple, but as the Roman fort. And what was the church of the Holy Sepulchre? What was the... Yeah, the it, it's just a church that exists to this day that is right. in, in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can actually go and visit it if you, if you go there. And so that high tower also exists. You can climb up and, and you can look due east for yourself. Possibly, I, I yeah, I'm getting into areas that I don't understand, but it could be. Okay, it's Fee, uh, what are we going to sing as a close? Amen. How many believe that Jesus has got it? Yes. How many believe that the Word of God is the ultimate authority and is infallible, inspired by God Himself? Yes. Yes. It's great to see. It.